episode 1,121, Kooky Christmas, Up on the Rooftop. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Christian, bringing you theology at warp speed. I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Andy Bono. We're here for probably a, a little bit of a truncated kooky Christmas this year. Not really. I mean, you have three episodes planned. Is that right? Or two? I have two. I have two. All right. And I got one for the Uncensored feed. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be good. Three. Yeah. So three kooky Christmas episodes. It's, it's coming out way later than, well, actually, maybe that's not true because I see from my, I, I had to load up the website here. We did release one in January last year. I bet we did about a similar thing where we kind of started at the end of December and went into, as you mentioned, the Christmas season extends yes. into January. Yes. Yes, it does. So, and depending on, on whose rules you play by, it can extend quite a way into January. Whose rules do we play by? Well, I mean, liturgically, the Christmas tide lasts. Um, so, Protestants mostly just treat Christmas as a one-day thing. Liturgical Protestants would, would talk about, like, the 12 days of Christmas uh, Catholics, Orthodox would at least talk about Christmas tide, where we're going to go through the baptism of the the Lord, which is the week after Epiphany. Uh, so is January eighth this week. Um, you know, and then there's uh, I don't know all the specifics, but I, there's some interpretations that liturgically that can last even longer. Hey, look, I'm looking at last year in 2022. We didn't even post the first Kooky Christmas episode until December 16th, and then we. So that was number one. Number two came out December 28th. Number three, January 6th of the following year. And then we stopped for the year. Okay. So we've got three episodes. You do two. I'll do one. That kooky Christmas. Perfect. Reigns again. Reigns supreme. Perfect. Uh, well, this one, um, this one I'm actually kind of excited about because it's, it's going to, it's going to draw in some other themes that we've talked about in previous kooky Christmas episodes, other things, um, yeah, so I, I think it's going to be good. So the, the basis for this episode is a book that I read recently by D.W. Pasulka called Encounters. I've never heard of this author before. Uh, Rod Dreher has a newsletter that he puts out, and I was reading it, and he referenced this book. And so he gave it a glowing review. And so I, I picked it up. Her, let's see, the, the title, the subtitle for it is... Encounters with UFOs, dreams, angels, AI, and other dimensions. So I was like, well, that sounds yeah. exciting. We love all that stuff. We love, well, we love talking about all that stuff anyway. So uh, there's a lot that you could go through in this. Like we could honestly mine this book for probably a, a few different, different kooky Christmases. Uh, one of the interesting ones I'm not going to get a lot into tonight, but she has a chapter early on where she's talking about the experiences that people have when they see Earth from space. We have a relatively oh. small uh, percentage of the population, yeah. but that not as though it's like an over-the-top supernatural experience, but that it's a wildly reorienting, disturbing experience that's akin to something more along the lines of religious phenomena than it is what you would expect from a cold, calculating, scientific experience. In other words, you get up there and you look out at the space shuttle and you see the rest of humanity down below you, and it's a wildly reorienting experience. And I could see that. And like they've done, uh, tried to simulate this 
like with view screens or VR or, or something like that, and they've been unable to do it. Like, so you can describe it, you can uh, see a picture. Of course, we've all seen pictures of Earth from space, or at least the fake ones, because we know the real one would be flat. So but flat. So, so flat. <laughs> Which, by the way, I, I do have an idea around that, but I'm not going to get into it right all now. Right. Um, but it amuses me. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, but the, they, they've been unable to replicate the experience of what happens. And like she even t- cites, I think, William Shatner at one point when he went up with the Jeff Bezos uh, uh, ship. And like he was, you know, talked about like he was weeping afterwards wow like it was an incredible experience so really interesting book really interesting book but the core that kind of runs through the book is uh she's a ufo researcher she's a catholic ufo researcher uh which is a great combination and i felt like she kind of hit along some interesting ideas along the ideas of ufos and aliens and she Sometimes you you get where people say something and it what they say is very obvious in hindsight, but somebody needs to say it. And I felt like this book was that for me in a nutshell. So let's let's talk a little bit uh, before we get into some of the stuff from the books about UFOs and aliens and all of this good stuff. So obviously, you know, we're all looking at this through the the cultural rubric of the last hundred years be it you know 50s b movies be it the x files in the 90s like we all have this image of in varying degrees either fuzzy black and white imagery fuzzy pictures uh the aliens coming down abducting humans all the stuff that comes along with that and it seems to me like there's a number of explanations that are typically posited for this and none of them are entirely satisfying to me. So interpretation number one out there, which may be the most common, and I'd call this the skeptic interpretation, which is that these UFO encounters are lies, delusions, or some mix thereof. And we have to give the devil its due here because, of course, some of them are. Like, obviously, not every reported encounter with an alien or a, a spacecraft or anything like that is true. You know, there, you know, there, there's something, you know, people do lie. People are crazy. People do see things that aren't there. Those are things that happen. Okay. But the problem with the skeptic view is given how widespread across not only space, but also time more on that in just a minute, it, it, it's similar to the things I've said about like ghost sightings in the past. It only takes one, you know, the fact that you think you see a ghost, but it was really just, you know, a broom leaned up against the wall and you woke up at two in the morning and your brain went a little crazy with overactive imagination. Oh, that wasn't a ghost. Well, that doesn't disprove the existence of ghosts that disproves the existence of what you thought was a ghost in your sleep-deprived state at two in the morning. Same thing here. Somebody can lie. I could tell you that I saw a UFO on the way over here, and I would be lying if I did. But that doesn't disprove every other experience. The problem with the skeptic approach is that it only takes one to prove it wrong. Okay, so possible, 
but it seems to me that there's too much, there's too great a volume to simply say, that's it, end of story. Uh, interpretation number two would be that this, these are maybe slightly related, but people on drugs, you know, drugs, this is all drugs, drugs encounter. And okay, again, we can say something similar, but maybe with the added caveat that uh, are all experiences under psychedelics synonymous with hallucinations? And long-time listeners of the Sci-Fi Christian will know that I'm going to answer that. No. Again, we're going to put a, a pin in that and come back to it. Interpretation number three is that when people see UFOs, they're seeing experimental aircraft from either the U.S. government or other governments. Uh, and again, I think that there's some of this that's probably true. Like, there are classified government programs out there, both by the U.S. and otherwise. Things that may seem, quote-unquote, impossible may simply be classified. Uh, there's certainly room for this. Uh, but the problem, again, becomes one of time, in that UFO encounters are not a new thing. They are not a product of... Uh, the modern age, the 20th century, they literally go back millennia and cross cultures and all of that. And so if we're going to say this is technological, you know, simply human technology that is being witnessed, we have to account for the fact that these things were witnessed, maybe weren't identified as little green men from Mars, but these things have been witnessed long before human technology existed at that point so it doesn't satisfy it and then maybe the second most common one or at least the the pop culture popular interpretation is that they're aliens by which we mean they are creatures who inhabit another planet who have navigated their way across the solar system across the universe to earth and have physically landed in the same way that we as humans landed on the moon. You know, so obviously we we assume, I was going to say no, but we don't know, but we assume that there isn't civilization living on Mars today. Um, I don't actually have any conspiracy theory about that. I just want to leave, leave the door open. Uh, and so if, think of that rubric and that like, early 20th century uh, science fiction before we understood as much about Mars as we do. It was pretty common, like even Ray Bradbury in the Martian Chronicles envisions Mars as very Earth-like, actually. And so, you know, civilization hops from planet A to planet B, lands and talks to planet B, uh, you know, very War of the Worlds-esque. These are simply, they may be radically different from us and how they look and think and their physiology, but at the end of the day, it's no more mysterious than you encountering a gorilla, you know, or whatever the equivalent would be, or another human, or depending on where our intelligence lines up, it's like Luke Skywalker and, and meeting Chewbacca or something like that. These are, you know, maybe alien, quote unquote, they may be different creatures, but they're relatively of the same order. It's just another civilization. There's a lot of problems with that, though. So let, let's say that the possibility certainly exists. You're saying there's problems with UFOs being actual aliens yes. from a different planet. Okay, just Lots to make of sure them. we're on the same page. Lots of them. And by UFOs, I'm talking about the types of encounters that are reported. Okay? Right. And Abduction, sightings. 
experiences all of that. I, this probably won't be a big part of your conversation today, but I've heard that the term UFO is not being used as much, and they have a different initial that they're using. Yeah, now. isn't that interesting? Why? Yeah, I, I don't know. But what, what the, do you know what it is? UAP, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Yeah, what is I that, don't understand, but I, I'm always suspicious when the world just universally replaces a term overnight. Right, right. Like, I don't know why, but boy, does that raise an eyebrow with me. Like, what are we doing? We had a term that everybody used, and then suddenly the government starts declassifying some stuff and changes the terminology. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that adds up to, but it stinks. Like, everything about that stinks. Like, stinks like there's something up? Like, it's yes. fishy? Yes, everything about that is fishy. I mean, isn't it? It is. It's very strange. And I don't know that it I don't know if it involves a conspiracy, but it just is unusual. I'll tell you the conspiracy it 100% involves. Okay. Okay. And this you could you've observed it in real time. The government started using that term and everyone in the media fell in line. Everyone. Like it just got adopted overnight. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen by accident. Okay, so there's the conspiracy. At the very least, the influence that the government has over the media, and maybe it's nothing. Maybe maybe it's just maybe there's some some stupid bureaucrat sitting on his butt decided to change the acronym, and it's nothing more than that. But it should chill you how how quickly the media went along with it, like instantly instantly and it did line up with as new things were coming to light or it wasn't even like necessarily aliens but unusual things were popping up that like yes. you said they were declassifying documentation yes and now a new term exists it, it seems to be connected but i don't have an answer yeah uh, two other thoughts on this so let's, let's just take a little kooky christmas tangent we'll come back to why aliens aren't aliens in a second uh but two other things on this number one regarding the media look up sometime on on youtube uh, different clips of newscasts saying word for word the same thing. Have you ever seen one of these? Yeah, it's usually political, or like it's usually related to some sort of politics, or like yeah. But there will be like different broadcasts, yeah, and they're telling, and they're like different reporters, all s- basically reading the same script, right? I've like seen word this. for word. Not, I haven't seen it related to. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying but, yeah. related to that. This is independent media point. It's like, and and in these videos, typically they'll get to the point where they've got like, you know, split screen, quadruple boxes, mm-hmm. and then they'll have like a 10 by 10 box and the audio is all synced up between them. Mm-hmm. And it's word for word. That's not an accident. Okay. So same thing. That should chill you to your bones. Isn't that just that the parent company is feeding each well, yeah. smaller news station the story they want told? Sure. But same thing, It is right? weird, though, when you're at the local level. So who's deciding your news? Yeah. Some government bureaucrat talking to a bureaucrat over a giant corporation? Like, this is a, a giant government or giant... Who do we like? Do we like big business or big government? They're all evil. They're all evil. They all hate you. Especially for those of us listening to the sci-fi Christian, where I'm going to presume most of the people listening to this have some uh, level of Christian values. They all hate you. They hate everything about you. They despise you. And they want to destroy you. 
Okay, so it's not an accident. So I will not use the term UAP. It might be innocuous. I don't know what would be wrong with it, but I do know that powerful interests want me to use it, and I want to give them the double eagle. All right, so that's uh, tangent number one. Uh, What was number two? Well, you were making a point, and then I wanted to ask you about Yeah, you asked me about that, and I said I had two tangents, one of which was on the media. Uh, ah, yeah, just let it go. Maybe, no, come maybe back we'll come back. Uh, yeah, it was something closer to the topic at hand. But, oh, um, okay, I remember what it was. So all these disclosures on UFOs, UAPs, uh, <laughs> isn't that just so bizarre? Doesn't everything about that just seem so weird? How the government basically comes out and says these are real, but then nothing happens? You're saying... We're seeing real UFOs, but it might not be alien. It might be human, but we don't know what it is. So let's just not talk about it. Yeah. I mean, the the quote unquote disclosure, it was like this big deal. Oh, the government's confirming UFOs. But the, what it was that, that disclosure is a complete Rorschach test. You can see anything in that that you want. UFOs, unidentified flying object if i shoot a nerf gun at you and you see it out of the corner of your eye but you couldn't tell what it was that is an unidentified flying object from your perspective okay so that's all the term means so confirming ufos is nothing that would also be if we want to really jam the stick up our butts uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon because it was in the air see how stupid that is um so you think it could be as simple as ufos became like a term for aliens in movies? It could be. And then it was like, let's, we want to take this more seriously. It, it could be, but which, you know, screw you. I was actually thinking about that the other day. You know how planets are named these days? No, how? They're like some stupid scientist who's, who's never read a fiction book in his life sits there and like generates a number out of it. It's like NA-27B. You know how we used to name uh, planets? This is Jupiter. This is Mars, the god of war. Gustav Holt's uh, planet suite. Like, have you ever listened to that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, oh my gosh! <clears throat> like, listen to Jupiter, and it's like you know. And then the 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 the, the melody from Gustav Holt becomes one of the great hymns. Oh God, beyond all praising. And it's like, and now we've got W six eighty seven as our planet names. Like, if you want to know where this country went wrong, it's that. Anyway. My point is that their their so called disclosure, so called disclosure. Uh, so you didn't think you were going to get kooky this Christmas so this so year, kooky. <laughs> but their so called disclosure was such nonsense because they said something and then you can read into it whatever you want, whatever you want. Like you can read into it that okay, the government confirmed nothing because UFOs, of course, they exist. Uh, or you can say, "Holy crap, the government just confirmed aliens." Something so good happened here in the room that listeners can't see, but Ben's getting so worked up on his rants that he had to take off his sweatshirt. You're like overheating from getting so animated. <laughs> I am overheating. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so anyway, I hate the government, but let's get back to Cookie Christmas. 
Okay, so why aren't aliens aliens? Because that's what I'm saying. Well, first of all, I'm not saying that there aren't aliens, but I'm just going to use aliens as shorthand for beings who live on another planet. Okay. Okay? Who have originated on another planet. So same way that it would be if you went to Mars. You are now an alien of Mars. So that's how I'm using the term. Oh, so you're saying it could be humans from a different planet? No, I'm saying let, let's just oh, assume. I would be an alien to Mars, life, Yes, life from another planet. Got it. Okay? So... That's how I'm using the phrase. So totally possible that that exists. I'm even going to say it's possible that they've been to Earth. I don't think it's terribly likely. And my reasoning for that is simply the vast scale of the universe. I'd say uh, if there is other life, and let's not be stupid scientists who are like, well, there's life out there because we found a two-celled amoeba in a puddle on Europa. Now, shut up. We all know what we mean by life on other planets, and it's not something that you had to pull out your your stupid microscope to look at. It's Chewbacca. We're talking about Chewbacca, okay? Like, that's what we want. So, I if life exists in the universe, Chewbacca life, odds are uh, humanity will never find it. Like that's just the if you've never actually looked at the scale of the universe, it if you want to have an existential crisis, actually sit down and contemplate that, and and it will it'll mess with your head. Like, did you read uh, the three body problem? I did. Yes. Okay, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but the end of book three actually messed me up for yeah. a few days after I read it. It really bothered me on an existential level. I I love that series. I don't remember exactly how the book concludes. Well, I, I don't mean plot-wise, just like they get into the scale of the universe okay. and time, and it really messed me up okay. when I when I read it. Um, anyway, I'm okay now. A- after the credits, let's talk about it. Okay, yeah. So anyway, um, why, why do I think that UFO encounters are not aliens? Well, a few different reasons. Number one, uh, they do not resemble what we would expect from... Chewbacca landing on Earth. Okay? I'm just going to use Chewbacca as a shorthand here. So if that happened, you would expect that maybe it goes well, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it goes the Independence Day route, maybe it goes the day the Earth stood still, maybe it's Star Trek, Vulcans, you know, whatever it is. Like, there's a range of what you would expect if a different life form came to Earth. Um, What you wouldn't expect, though is something that tends to resemble not an encounter with another being, but truly the paranormal. Things that are closer to lucid dreams. People who have UFO encounters regularly report being able to have visions of the future. They report um, psychic phenomenon. They report things that we would not expect to have happen if you ran into Chewbacca, like things that simply uh, reversed, you know, messed up their sense of time, lost time, um, you know, psychic powers. We see all of those things reported again and again uh, in, in, in this. I'm going to read a quote here from uh, D.W. Pasulka in the book. She says, people report episodes of knowing the future or precognition. She's talking about people who've had encounters and other non-ordinary effects 
rather than treat these experiences as non-rational and paranormal in the sense of being strange, these events and effects can be understood by a shift in perspective for which there are precedents in religious traditions and within the lore of indigenous cultures. Let me just stop there because I'm going to get to the next point, and then I'm going to read the rest of that quote. Second point, and I've alluded to this a couple times here, is that these aren't new encounters. In other words, if a being, let's just say that Chewbacca does cause that. Like there's such a different being, you know, from a different part of the universe that they do cause what we would interpret as psychic phenomenon. We would still expect that that, you know, happens when they get here. Like they're still going to land. They're still physically going to arrive here because presumably these are physical beings. At least that's what the reports indicate is a physical component to all of this. But the problem is, that we have reports, and they weren't interpreted as aliens, meaning other life forms, but we have reports along these lines going back to uh, millennia. And that's what she's alluding to with indigenous culture. So let me keep, keep reading. When Harvard researcher Dr. John Mack, we'll come back to him a little bit later, published his classic book, Abduction, Human Encounters with Aliens, in the 1990s, his research focused on the initial shock that normal people have when they experience what they interpret as being in contact with either extraterrestrial or non-human intelligences. Really important wording description there. Uh, distinction there between extraterrestrial and non-human. His research moved on from this initial shock, however, and he came to realize that most human societies have recognized that people have these experiences. He learned that knowledge systems of many indigenous cultures possess frameworks for understanding contact. They do not pathologize these events or experiences, which, by the way, we do. That's the whole skeptic approach is pathologizing this type of thing. Lakota are among the many indigenous cultures that report contract, contact with members of star nations or what others would call extraterrestrials. The realities of this contact are unfolded into a worldview in which the distinction between natural and supernatural, so basic to European thought, was meaningless. That last part is a quote from him. Uh, so there's a lot there. Because what you're getting at there is that what we're talking about when we talk about UFO encounters and what people experience has been interpreted in the 20th and now 21st century through the lens of rationalism and, and through the lens of modernity, meaning that we interpret these paranormal events not as the supernatural, but as the natural. We assume that we are in contact with alien cultures from uh, an, another planet. Uh, but humans have been having nearly identical, uh, identical encounters for all of human history. And so the weight of the evidence for us to say that so-called alien encounters are actually extraterrestrial, the weight of that evidence lies on those who want to claim they are alien, not on those who say they're not. In other words, if we're to take this body of evidence as a whole, there's virtually no reason to assume that these encounters, at least the truthful ones, are actually with alien entities, okay? It also um, it, it it also 
kind of chips away at the conspiracy angle of the whole thing. Again, not that conspiracies can't exist or that the government doesn't have top secret material on all of this. But if we take the body of evidence as a whole, there are probably conspiratorial pockets within it. But as a whole, there's no government or culture that has subsisted through the entire human history that would actually have been suppressing this knowledge. You know, so and that's important because if this is actually Chewbacca landing on Earth and Chewbacca actually landed 10,000 years ago and it's just been a big secret since then, then that's been covered up since then. But that's too hard to believe. You're saying why would it have been covered up back then? Like in an age when people would have believed in gods like Jupiter and Mars, why would they cover up the existence of these visitors? I'm saying that even if they had had a reason those cultures have fallen away and the people protecting those secrets like there's too much turmoil there's too much uh you know over you know overlap and or too much too uh, overthrow of human cultures and and human structures to subsist in that in other words if we want to say this all started at roswell okay i can buy a conspiracy for that why because we have a continuity of government we have a continuity of culture we have a continuity of agencies that all at least conceivably could have guarded the secret in the years since roswell but if you want to tell me that this started ten thousand years ago now i don't buy that there's no continuity of culture or government or agency or society or anything else that has lasted that long that could have pulled this off. Not to mention that in the case of something like Roswell, it's limited to the United States, whereas here we're talking about global societies that would have had no contact with each other and are all experiencing the same thing. And that, by the way, maybe goes to the last point here, which is that when we talk about these, they resemble, and we actually look at them objectively. So if we could just lose the lens of that these are aliens, nothing about them resembles aliens. They resemble religious and paranormal experiences. Where else in our kooky Christmas journey have we seen cultures without any contact with each other reporting very similar if not identical experiences well one place was our our uh, lucid dreaming sleep paralysis you know the sleep demons same type of thing and holy crap wouldn't you know it that when you actually dig into that you find tremendous overlap between not only sleep paralysis, but DMT encounters and alien abductions in terms of what people are reporting. Okay, so it's back to drugs, right? It's back to drugs and it's all back into your head, but not exactly. Okay, so, you know, let's let's just not go full skeptic here. Let's just play with this for a second. If what we want to say, and again, a standard caveat, don't go play around with psychedelics. It's a bad idea, you know, and and I'm going to have a similar caveat next week. It's actually even a stronger one because I want to talk about something that I don't want anybody to actually do anything with. Uh, but I want to talk about it because it's interesting. Uh, so, but let's just take DMT, for example. Uh, can we accept the idea that DMT creates experiences for different people that are remarkably similar okay could there be a natural explanation for that 
Yes, but many of us, and I say us, find that non-credible. In other words, there's so much about that. And I'm no expert in drugs, certainly not. Pro- I've never used uh, any drug stronger than alcohol. Okay. So no expert in all of this. But uh, there's something about like those DMT experiences that suggest a heightened reality, not a dampening of reality. In other words, if you're hallucinating, I, I would consider that to be something of a dampening of reality. But what's reported by people is actually an opening up into something new. Same thing with sleep paralysis. Yes, nightmares exist. Okay. And it could just be a feature of the human psyche. But isn't it interesting that people report, you know, these experiences with things like sleep paralysis that that suggest a larger reality, you know, uh, and now alien abductions, the same thing. We have people who are not in contact with each other, at least some of whom are not crazy, at least some of whom are not lying, at least some of whom are not being influenced by narcotics who are reporting across millennia wildly similar experiences that contain some supernatural element to them. And, oh, by the way, as a Christian, the idea of other dimensions of beings is worked into your worldview just because you're comfortable with the concept of angels because you saw one on a flannel graph doesn't make it any weirder to wrap your head around. Like, actually, you know, this is the problem with, with being comfortable with religious imagery is that we become comfortable to it. And you don't understand just how weird it is to believe in angels and demons. And I say weird in a good way because I do believe in them. But what you're actually talking about is beings that live in another dimension that you cannot usually see that you cannot usually interact with who possibly their idea and this is at least what aquinas and others believe their idea of time is different than yours that to the extent that they are physical it's radically different than yours and you know we want to assume that we have exhaustive knowledge of those you don't i think the proper view of angels and demons is that a they exist and b to the extent that uh we've been given revelation of them it's a small crack in a door and there is a wider world by the way that's why i say don't go screw around with things like dmt because I don't think that we want to kick that door open. But nevertheless, I do think that door is there and that we are we as humans, human cultures experience things uh, on the other side of it. But it gets weirder because you also have this idea not just of like your great aunt Lucy who thinks she saw a UFO once and, and said that she was able to hover off the ground for 10 seconds. Oh, well, that's nice. You ac- actually have very well-known, credible people who seem to report things along the lines of receive knowledge from non-human intelligences. Such as who? Well, let's go back to our friend John Mack. 
John Mack made the phrase epistemological shock famous and referenced how he felt when it dawned on him that his clients, and John Mack, by the way, was a psychologist, uh, might be in touch with non-human and potential extraterrestrial intelligence. The realization was a shock to his Western rationale epistemology. The phenomena is a term used by scholars like Jacques Vallée in reference to non-human intelligence. It is a term they prefer over the term extraterrestrial because it avoids conclusions about its nature. Simone, this is somebody she interviews in the book, Explained that she meant the terms as UFOologists meant them. My first, this is a quote from Simone, my first existential shock came when I was around 12 years old. I'd always had vivid, lucid dreams and download experiences, and until that age, I thought that's how everyone lived. For example, before an upcoming exam, I would have vivid, lucid dreams of the entire exam. Then the exam would be exactly as I had dreamed. I would get near-perfect scores on all assessments and exams. The information would just come to me. These experiences were constant. I had waking dreams every day of my life, and only during puberty did I realize that I was weird and that other people I knew didn't live like this. So, well, okay, nice random person quoted in a book. Well, how about somebody who you probably don't know, but you can certainly look up? This is actually a very famous person. I hadn't heard of him before because I'm not into math, but it is a famous person. Srinivasa Ramanujan. So you can look this person up. He's an 18th century Indian mathematician. Ramanujan, and his last name is spelled R-A-M-A-N-U-J-A-N, was an early 20th century mathematician who believed that he received his math equations from the whisperings of the Hindu deity Lakshma. To this day, scholars are still working on the concepts Ramanujan so effortlessly accessed. Okay, how about Einstein? Yeah! Einstein. Did you know Einstein reported knowledge coming to him in dreams? And not just like what he should, you know, put in the the Sunday crossword puzzle, like the speed of light. Did you know that some of his insights came to him in dreams and he talked about this as a regular phenomenon that he would receive knowledge in dreams? Einstein. I've never heard that before. It's wild. It's wild. But here's the real kicker. Because you think, okay, this book is fun, but let's let's actually get to, to somebody we trust. Well, bet you didn't see this coming for Kooky Christmas. Our old friend, Ian McGilchrist, just happened to have something very similar to say in the section of his book that I'm reading right now. He says, it is said... And he's, there's names in here. I don't know who they all are. They're all scientists of some kind or another. It is said that the Kukulis sees the shape of the benazine ring, the foundation of organic chemistry, when the image of a snake biting its tail arose from the embers of his fire. Mendeleev saw the structure of the periodic table of the elements in a dream. The seminal mathematician Solomon Lefschitz I didn't mean to swear. I don't know how to pronounce the name. <laughs> Saw mathematics, not his logic, but his pictures. His insights were great, but his proofs were almost always wrong. Michael Faraday is one of the most influential scientists in history who made hugely important advances in our understanding of magnetism and electricity. According to Helmholtz, with quite a wonderful sagacity and intellectual precision, Faraday performed in his brain the work of a great mathematician without using a single mathematical formula. It is the highest degree astonishing to see what a large 
large number of general theorems, the methodical deduction of which requires the highest powers of mathematical analysis, he found by a kind of intuition, with the security of instinct, without the help of a single mathematical formula. Some people might be surprised to learn that Neil Bohr's research notebooks contained only pictures and words, no mathematical formulae. Heisenberg writes of Bohr, arguably the greatest physicist of the last century, we could clearly see that he had reached his results, not so much by calculation and demonstration as by intuition and inspiration, and that he found it difficult to justify his findings before Gottingen's famous school of mathematics. The point McGilchrist is making, and he's making it within the left hemisphere, right hemisphere rubric, is that what you think is happening with all these great scientists is they're sitting down and they're just like pouring over formula after formula, and it's very methodical, and it's very structured. And we think that because things like the speed of light or like Faraday's uh, stuff, uh, you can, can be proven after the fact using those. But his point, and that's only one quote from the book, is that again and again and again, you look at these great scientists, and what it is, is the idea is just there. They see it in the fire. They see it in their dreams. They just have a picture. It comes to them. Okay? Now, you can call that the subconscious mind, and to some degree that it is, but I feel like at some point, the rational skeptical side that simply wants to reduce everything to the understood, not just the understandable, but the understood, winds up doing so much heavy lifting that it strains credulity. Okay, so my argument with all of this is that there is more on earth in heaven and on earth Horatio than is dreamt of in your philosophy. There is intelligence, non-human intelligences out there that we don't understand. We shouldn't screw around with them. I think theologically we can say that that's dangerous, ill-advised, but we also need to understand that reality is much, much more complicated than we think it is. UFO encounters, by and large, I'm not going to say exclusively, but by and large, as they're reported, do not point to aliens. They point to other beings of other dimensions. There you go. Merry Christmas. Can I, I, I know this is like usually the time where I hit the music. I want to restate what I think you're saying, and then I'll hit the music. Please right. do. So... Aliens, that's a long shot. Well, they could exist, they could not. But UFOs, abductions, everything that's kind of around that, any scene of the future that kind of ties yeah. into being abducted or whatever, you think that is angels or demons? Not quite. So just restate, restate it for me. I don't want to say angels and demons because I think angels and demons are two names given to us. It could be exhaustive. It could be exhaustive. But angels and demons are names we have for at least two types of uh, non-human intelligences. I'm not ready to say that that's it. Okay. Like you said, maybe we just the doors only open just a crack. So yes. we know about angels. We know about demons. But we don't know what else God may have made. 100%. We don't know what other non-human intelligences are out there. So you're saying in this spiritual realm, in this other dimension, sure, there's angels and demons. But what else could be influencing our day-to-day -day lives that we don't know about? Yes. And and the reason, and we've talked about this around other And subjects. I'd even have hesitate to say spiritual realm. I would say that's fine for angels and demons, but I'd want to be as nonspecific as possible talking about whatever else this might be. 
we during other conversations we've talked about how God shares some things in the Bible, but he doesn't share everything. Yes. Like we're not meant to know everything that about everything he ever did by reading the Bible. Correct. So you would say there's no problem with there not being anything else in the Bible about these other beings because for whatever reason God didn't think we needed to know. Correct. Okay. I think I got it. It's wild. So you so to this week's Cookie Christmas, this it's going to be I was going to say this year, but we'll do we'll do a couple more here. This week's Cookie Christmas is saying you're proposing and I think you believe this that God created other types of non-human beings beyond angels, beyond demons that we don't know about that do have an influence on human lives. Yeah, it's possible that that everything is just chalked up to angels and demons, but I'm not ready to say that. Okay. And this is something... So are you willing to say, I believe there's a third or more entity? Well, yeah. Beyond angels and demons? I mean, of course, I'm saying... Of course, we're saying we know about God. We know about humans. We know about angels and demons. You're saying, I believe there's something more that we don't know about. Yeah, but I, I, it's possible that, that something more could be angels and demons, but I'm not prepared to say that. Going back to the first year of Cookie Christmas, the, the machine work, or is it clockwork? Clockwork, clockwork elves, elves, yeah. That's what, yeah, it all it's comes all, together. It's all full circle. Yes. All right, listeners, that's all from here. I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Ben DiVono. And we're the Sci-Fi Christians. Signing off. And goodbye. Got some notes for post music. All right. Three-body problem. I don't remember exactly what messed you up about it. Uh, this well, is, he he gets to the oh, end. Oh, actually, wait. Let's save the spoilers for okay. the very, very end because I got another thing. Speaking of three-body problem, and also I want to bring up the series Sendlin Ascends. Well, that's not the series title, but that yeah, was the yeah. first book. Uh, Books of Babel. So those are two series you recommended to me that I read in the course of 2023 as we head into a new year. Knowing my interests, do you have any book series you'd like to recommend to me? Oh, man. I'll to, can, can I come back next week? Sure, yeah. All right, I'm going to do one more thing before we talk about Three-Body Problem. Are you ready? Since it's Kooky Christmas and the last day of the year and our last recording in 2023, I've got your Christmas present. Oh, uh oh. And I can't wait to get yours. <laughs> Let me... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Here, one I'm second. very sorry. I forgot that we exchanged gifts. I, I don't have anything for you. Okay, I'm back. I have literally nothing. I don't have my headphones on yet, so I'll oh, pass dear. you this and I'll put this these looks back on. expensive. Are you ready for this? I am. Describe it. Oh, posable thumbs. How Siskel and Evert change movies forever. Well, thank you. Have you heard of this book? I think I have seen it. As long as I've you never, don't own it, that's good. I don't. I do not own it, but I do love Roger Ebert. I know. I know you do. I will enjoy this. All thank right. you. Uh, Merry you, Christmas. You should not have, especially since I did not <laughs> reciprocate. No problem. Would you like? Merry Christmas. Can I regift? <laughs> you keep that book. Well, thank you. All right. I will read it and enjoy it. Good. Uh, we're now entering spoilers for Three Body Problem and the series. Listeners, a trilogy. Let's talk about the last book. Which is, so the second book is Dark Forest. The third book is oh, Eternity's remember. End or something like that. I don't remember. Maybe. All right. So I, I don't remember are. the plot very well. But at the end of the book, he basically gets to the end of the universe, like the heat death of the universe. The scale extends to that. And what messed me up about it is both in terms of, because he starts getting into fourth dimensions and all of that, and and both in terms of time and also the scale of the universe, it it felt like he took this gigantic thing and made it feel very small. Mm. And it 
really messed me up. Like, there's a couple books that have done that. You know, like, you get disturbed when somebody gets their brains blown out and there's fake blood on the screen. You know what disturbs me? There's two books that I've read that have disturbed me, and one of them you love. Yes, I know what it is. Yeah, it's, it's one Re- of them is replay. this. And then Replay. Replay, like, I felt so anxious after finishing that book. I I... I I don't hate it because, like, neither of those books I, I dislike. I don't consider being disturbed by a book a bad thing. But neither of them have I wanted to revisit because I did find it wildly unpleasant. I did check. It's called Death's End. And I remember thinking afterwards, the plot was the plot was fine and good. But how the series like made you think through yes. these bigger issues is the best part about the series. I, I completely agree. All right. I think that's everything for this episode that I had planned out. Oh, no. One last thing. If you want to go back, listeners, if you're still here and you didn't mind the spoilers, episode 1056 was called Where Are They? And Ben threw out this question, if aliens are real, where are they? Do you remember oh, that episode? No, I don't. It was great. I hope I didn't say the same thing. It's not about. It was not about this at all. It was... And they kind of actually talk through some things that oh, come up yeah, in yeah, three body problems. Yeah, yeah. This was this was like, you know, what would be the possible answers to why yes. we haven't Yes. It was an excellent episode. Oh, so good. I recommend that one, listen. I do remember that now. All right, well that's all from here. I don't know if we said this right. So uh, I'm Anderson uh, signing uh, off. Uh,